James chapter 3. If you have a copy of God's Word, if you don't have a physical copy of God's Word, obviously pull out one of your apps, Bible Gateway, uh, the version, whatever it is, pull out your app, look up James chapter 3. That's where we're going to be camped out together this weekend. I think most of us probably watched and enjoyed the Olympics this summer in Rio, right? Many of us enjoyed that. In fact, I think many people would say these were some of the greatest or the best or the most enjoyable. I actually didn't watch it. Somehow it just didn't work out for my schedule. I didn't watch a lot of the Olympics. I saw a lot of the sort of the, uh, the updates about what was going on. But, but I know at least one person who did not enjoy the Olympics quite as much as he should have. This person actually won a gold medal. This person has actually won 12 Olympic medals overall. But he had some pretty unenjoyable moments at the Olympics this year. Now the story keeps changing, but from what I understand happened, one night in Rio, a reporter and his cameraman were getting on a shuttle going back to the hotel. And as they got on the hotel, there were lots of people on the shuttle. And so they noticed this lady that was on the shuttle and she kind of looked like she had had a rough day. So, so they began to talk to her and engage her and ask her how she was doing and what was going on. And she said, well, I'm kind of I'm distraught tonight because my son was robbed at gunpoint just a few moments ago. But he's okay. He's back at the village. Well, they're reporters and they just thought they were talking to some lady whose son had just got robbed, but, but as soon as she said, but he's okay, he's back at the village now, guess what they said? Oh, is your son an athlete? Well, yes, yes he is. And she began to describe her son, and they said, oh, is your son Ryan Lochte? She said, yes, that's my son, he was robbed today. So began a saga that is still unfolding until this moment. That reporter was paying attention and reported it. Later, Ryan Lochte, quote, confirmed it. Then later, details came out that he had, he had not been robbed, but that he and several other swimmers had vandalized a gas station and had been drinking. And they're still dealing with the fallout of that, including some of the swimmers were detained in Rio, could not come home, and had to pay a hefty fine because of everything that happened. And Lochte lost all of his previous endorsements as an athlete. This for the person who, if it were not for Michael Phelps, overshadowing him with his incredible career, would be America's best-known swimmer over the last few Olympics. And it all happened because he lied to his mom. He lied to his mom about what he was doing one night. By the way, kids, don't do that. Amen? (laughs) She's better than Santa Claus. She sees you when you're sleeping. She knows when you're awake. Amen? She knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Amen? But wow, I mean, think about this. Ryan Lochte opened up his mouth. Some air fluttered across his vocal cords with words that were not true. And as a result of that, all of this has happened. All the money that he's lost. All the problems that have been caused. 
This weekend, we are beginning a series called Watch Your Mouth. Because our mouths and really the words that come out of them are a big deal. Simply because Ryan Lochte opened his mouth and said something that he shouldn't have, his life has been impacted, but potentially changed in a dramatic way. And I'm sure every single one of us have similar stories. Amen? So we're going to take the next four or five weeks and see what God's Word says about that. Specifically, we're going to turn to the book of James in the New Testament. We're also going to highly reference the book of Proverbs and some other passages in God's Word. But no matter who you are, what you do in life, all of us use words every day. And because we use them so frequently, so often, it can seem like no big deal, right? It can seem just to be ordinary, so easy to do. It happens so often, but it is one of the biggest battles that we face. That's the negative. But the positive is, it can be one of the most powerful tools that we have to be used by God in the lives of other people. So this weekend, we're going to start by talking about this. Your words matter. We're going to read James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. We're going to read the whole passage, and we're going to focus on two verses tonight. It says in James 3, verse 1, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur or we will receive a stricter judgment, a greater judgment, a stronger judgment. Verse 2 says, for we all stumble in many ways. Amen, amen. You should say amen. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, a complete man, a mature man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members or our body parts as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Boom. Amen. Wow. For every species of beasts and birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? nor can salt water produce fresh. Now, as I said, we are focusing on the first two verses in James chapter 3, but we just read and are beginning to look at, over the next couple of weeks, a passage of Scripture 
that is probably the most detailed picture, explanation about our mouth or our speech in all the Bible. Certainly Proverbs is a great source of wisdom as well about our mouth, and we're going to refer to that, like I said, throughout the series as well. But here in James, there seem to be, if you read the whole story of the book of James, there seem to be a group of people who were going through some difficult times. You guys may remember, we did a series a while back called This Is Hard in James chapter 1. These people were going through incredibly difficult times in their lives. And in the midst of that, they were struggling. And we might say understandably, right? When you're going through hard times, sometimes it is difficult to deal with that. So they were struggling, and they were struggling internally as a church, as God's people. And it seems to have showed itself in several ways. In pride, arrogance, in in arguing with each other, in talking good, but not necessarily living out well their walk with the Lord during that period. By the way, that's many Christians in America today. Many Christians talk a good game. We're not really truly living out in spirit and in truth what God has for our lives. And apparently their mouths, what they were saying during this period was a big part of their problem. In fact, if you read, I've never noticed this before. I'm just going to be honest with you. As I've studied for this message and for this series, I've never noticed how much your mouth is mentioned. I've never heard anybody emphasize that when I've heard people talk about the book of James. But did you know your words or your mouth or your speech or something related to that is mentioned in every chapter of the book of James? And as I began to look at that, have you ever like bought a Volkswagen Beetle before? And you're like, man, there's like a million Volkswagen Beetle. Hey, Amen. You ever, you ever like been going through something in your life and you notice it? Well, I, I've never thought about it until I was doing this series, but speech and what we say and how we use our words is all throughout this book. God was speaking to these people. Watch your mouth. And I believe the Lord's wanting to use that to speak to us as well. Now, James 3, we could say James chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 4, chapter 5, much of that is by implication. He's speaking, he's, he's, there it is again, he's speaking to them about their words and about their speech. But in James chapter 3, he's not implying it. He's not referencing it. He's not inferring it. He speaks directly, very directly about how we use our tongue, our mouth. Our words. The first thing is this. The Bible says in verse 1, your words matter. Because did you realize that one day you are going to give an account for what you say? And already some of you are thinking, oh, I remember some things I said. Amen. Wow. Look at verse 1 again. Let not many of you become teachers, my brothers, knowing that as such we will receive or incur a stricter judgment. Now as we read that, at first you might, it might be a little bit confusing to you because you say, Pastor Robbie, this doesn't relate to me. I don't want to be a teacher. Amen? I don't want to preach like you do. I don't want to teach a Bible study class. This does not, what does this have to do with me? We have to realize that God was leading James to write to a specific group of people. And God was leading him to do that because he knew that we needed to hear some things as well. 
But it's important to realize that at the time that it was written, it was written to a specific group of people. So as James was writing to them, he says, Do not let many of you become teachers. Some have said this could be translated, Stop becoming teachers, so many of you. Why would he say that? Well, as we look at this teaching, and as we look at the whole of the book of James, the rest of the letter, we get the impression that there were a lot of wrong attitudes and wrong actions by the Christians in this church or these group of churches. And one of those wrong actions or attitudes was that many, quote, Christians apparently were jockeying to be heard. I've got something to say, and I deserve to say it. I've been trained. I know the Bible so well. I, I, I need to be a teacher. Uh, many of them saw teaching as a very prestigious thing, and they were looking for maybe that notoriety that, man, when you teach, you know, people look up to you. So whatever it was, maybe they thought they knew a lot, or maybe they just wanted to be recognized. They were basically saying, I'm so spiritual, or I know so much. Of course, if anybody's teaching around here, guess what? Probably going to be me. That was the attitude that they appear to have been taking. So James apparently is led by the Lord to deal with that specifically, but it actually brings up a broader point, which is what you see throughout the rest of chapter 3. He wasn't just talking about what's your attitude if you're being so eager to teach and think you're so hot spiritually. He wasn't just talking about that. He brings up the, the, the bigger point of our mouth and our words. So specifically, he says to them, some of you who are also gung-ho about telling people what God's Word says, you might want to think about that a little bit. Because it's a big deal. It's a big deal teaching God's Word. In fact, he says, for those of you that are so eager to do that, do you realize that you're going to receive one day a stricter, a greater, a stronger judgment? Now, I don't want to scare some of you off. You're like, cool. I don't want to anyway. Amen. (laughs) Cool. This is great. I I didn't sign up for any kids' classes or any Bible study groups. or I certainly ain't standing on that stage one day and say anything. Good. This is a big deal. I don't want to do that. Well, it is a big deal, isn't it? Listen, friends, listen to me very carefully. This teaching is not intended to scare off good people. This teaching is not intended to scare off well-intended people. It's not talking about perfect people, but what it's talking about here is uh, the people that have a heart for God and want to teach His Word. Obviously, God wants His Word to go out. It's a great privilege, amen? It It is a big responsibility, and that's what He's trying to make them understand because some of them didn't realize... uh, the heart that they were supposed to have in that, a heart of dependency, and God, help me, and and Lord, I I realize how important this is. But it is intended to challenge those people who weren't being serious. If you're a pastor, if you're a growth group leader, if you're a kids' church leader, take it seriously, amen? This is the Word of God, and we need to realize when we're speaking that, we are influencing other people. By the way, I think it speaks to an even larger thing. All of us, some of you are school teachers. Some of you are police officers. Some of you are bosses. Many of us are parents, right? I mean, if you really start thinking about it, all of us 
influence a lot of people with our words, right? And I believe really that's the overarching principle that is being driven home here. Be careful how you use your mouth to influence other people. Because one day, what's coming out of here and what it's doing in other people's lives, you are going to have to give an account to God for. Wow, amen. Let's look at some verses that talk about that. Romans 14, verse 12. The Bible tells us in Romans 14, 12, so then, each one of us So God makes it individual, doesn't it? Your mom can't take the judgment for you. Your grandfather can't take the judgment for you. Each one of us, one day, is going to give an account of ourselves to God. Even our words. Jesus said this in Matthew 12, verse 36. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for in the day of judgment. That's very, that's very clear, isn't it? Jesus says very clear, every careless word, all idle words. Some of your translations say, the word means lazy. It means a word that's not working. By working, I don't mean uh, is effective. I mean a word that is not at work. So it kind of gives the idea, every word that is not purposeful, every word that is not thoughtful, that is not intention, uh, intentional, so half-hearted comments. How many of us do that? Or, or, or letting words fly, or letting words slip. Now again, I don't want to scare you. The Bible's not saying, don't talk. Although some of us could, could maybe listen to Proverbs 10, verse 19. It says, where there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. The Bible says, the more I open up my mouth, the more opportunities there are for me to sin. I'm not sure if it was Abraham Lincoln or Mark Twain or who because there there's several people that are attributed with this quote. But, but the quote is this, it's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak out and remove all doubt. That's why James a little bit earlier says this. I remember learning this verse as a teenager. And I probably think of this verse at least once a week. So if somebody here is saying, I want, I, want, I want to learn God's Word. I want to start memorizing the Bible. I want to encourage you. Somebody here needs to memorize James chapter 1, verse 19. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be swift to hear. Be quick about hearing. Be trigger happy about hearing, right? Be swift to hear, slow to speak. I'm telling you, I think about this verse probably at least once a week. And that tells you a little bit about my problems. Amen? (laughs) Listening too little and speaking way too much. Somebody said about sound waves. Our words really are sound waves, aren't they? And once they get started, they can't be taken back. Theoretically, they just continue going forward. And so kind of you would think theoretically, if sound waves go out and they continue, one day God could go out there and grab them. You picture that? Now I don't know how that might happen. 
I mean, we sort of have these nightmares of God's going to have a tape recorder, right? And He's going to pull it out. And he's going to, here's what you said on January 26, 1940, you know, or 1990, whatever. I don't know that it's exactly like that, but it helps us to think about the fact that those words are going out, and once they're released, they're out there, right? Now, I don't want to be unclear about the idea of judgment. Okay, so let's talk about that for just a moment. The Bible talks about as unbelievers, if you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says that one day, if that does not change in this life, that one day you're going to stand before something called the great white throne of judgment. And one day you are going to have to give an account for what you have done in this life. And because of that, that there's going to be sin there. And if you have one sin, the Bible says that God is so perfect, so holy, that one sin stains us in such a way that we cannot... He's not being ugly, that's just His nature. That we cannot have a relationship with Him. So one day, if your sins have not been forgiven, including what I've what? Said, so my words will be part of my accounting. My actions, my words, my life, and I will not be prepared for that accounting. Now, if you're a believer... The good news is you will never stand before the great white throne of judgment. Praise the Lord. Amen. You will stand before something called the judgment seat of Christ. Okay? You're not going to give an account for your sins in the sense of you're not going to pay the penalty for your sins because praise the Lord, Christ has already paid. Amen. And when you receive Christ, by the way, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, there is just no reason why you cannot have that tonight. You can be forgiven. You can know that one day when you stand before God, you do not have to be afraid of where you're going to spend eternity. You can know that that I'm not going to have to pay the penalty for my sins because Jesus already did. It's unnecessary for me to pay because the price has already been paid. I just need to receive His gift. If you've not received that gift, you can receive it tonight, right now. But for those of us who have, okay, we're not going to pay the penalty for our sins, but there is an accounting in the sense of God changed my life. So what did I do with what He gave me? Right? Now listen, I don't believe that's going to be so much negative as positive. We're going to receive rewards for the the, the relationship that we had to God and, and, and that's going to impact our eternity in that way. So here's how I see it. If anything, the way I used my mouth or misused it Lost opportunities for positive impact for God. Do you hear me? So we're not going to stand before God afraid in the sense of where are we going to spend eternity, but I don't want to stand before God and be sorry for what I said to you. Amen? There are lost opportunities for God to work in your life. All of that should give all of us pause. Every single day, I am using this as a husband, as a dad, as a coworker, as a student, as a friend. We even, I even talk for God. Thank you for praying for your pastors. Because we have a lot of gall to think that we're going to have anything to say for God. Now, if God calls us to do that, we're going to do it, but we better take it pretty seriously. Amen. God, help us. Amen. It's not just us. We all, if you are called a Christian, 
You represent God to the world. And we're going to account for how we've represented the Lord to other people through our words. Our words matter. We better watch what we say because one day we're going to account for that. But the second thing in verse 2 is how you use your words affects the rest of your life. Your words matter. It's heavy. It's weighty. Wow. One day I'm going to have to give an account to God for how I'm using this. But then to realize that your words have something to say how you use them about the rest of your life. How important is this topic that we're discussing? Well, let me ask you this. How many of us would say, I really desire to do God's will for my life? I believe many of you would say that. I believe most of the people in this room have a desire in some measure to do God's will for your life. Then you ought to be very interested in controlling your mouth. Because here's what it says in verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able to bridle the whole body as well. He says we all stumble. We all make mistakes. What's he saying? We all do what? We all sin, right? We all do things that God did not intend for us to do. Correct? We all don't do things... By the way, this is very helpful if you don't think you're that big of a sinner. Sometimes people say, oh, I know I made mistakes, but, but am I really a sinner? You know, but we actually not only do things that God says don't do, we don't do some things that God says to do, right? Some Christians have called those sins of commission and sins of omission. We commit things that we shouldn't have done, and we omit things that we should have done. So we all miss the goal that God has for us. And the tongue has a huge part in that. Write this down. The tongue is powerful. The the tongue can do a lot. It can do a lot of positive. It can do a lot of negative. We're going to talk more about that in the weeks to come. Our tongue is indicative. The Bible says our tongue, we're going to talk about this more. Our tongue shows who we really are on the inside. Our mouths, our tongues are influential. They have a great reach. They have a great impact on other people's lives. Our mouths are prone to sin. Using our mouth is one of the easiest ways to sin, almost at a moment's notice. We can be in this room singing praise to God and five minutes later be chewing out somebody in our family in the car. Amen? Wow, they're so easy to misuse. Our tongues are representative. They are really a monument to our general leaning away from God. In fact, Isaiah, when he was standing before, when he was in God's presence, and he realized how unholy and how unlike God he was, one of the things he said was, I am a man of unclean lips. One of the things that represented to Isaiah that he was not like God, he was unholy was his mouth and how he used it. Someone said the tongue is like a wild animal that has been put in a cage of teeth. Listen, because I want you to take this image home with you. Our tongue is like a wild animal that's been put in a cage of teeth surrounded by the walls of your mouth. So God put a double layer of protection around that tongue. Because we're going to learn 
As it said later in James chapter 3, it's like a wild animal. Wanting to bust out of its cage. So important, so powerful. Like I said, James mentions it in some way in every chapter of his letter. And here, he says, God says to us, listen to this. If a person can, with God's help, control that, a person can, with God's help, control every other part of the body as well. Isn't that telling? Listen, it uses the word here, it says, uh, for we're all stumbling in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, how he uses his mouth, he is a perfect man. Um, that's not the best translation, in my opinion. The word perfect gives the impression of what? Perfect. But the idea there means complete. It means mature. He is a... Here's really what the idea is. The idea is something was created for a particular reason. It is now fulfilling that reason. You think about your kids when they get to maturity. What? You've raised them. You've, you've taught them. You've directed them. Hopefully they get to a point where this is what they were supposed to be doing. They're living the way God created them. That, that's what this word is. Maturity, completeness, rightness. Not perfection, but what something was supposed to be. The Bible says if I can get to a point with God's help. Now listen, don't leave here. Please, hear me clearly. Don't leave here saying, I need to get control of my mouth. Don't leave here saying that. What God would say is, leave here saying this, I need to let God get control of my mouth. It is a major difference. Many Christians, many churches are trying our best. Oh, I can't say those words. I'm going to try hard i got to focus. When I go to work tomorrow, I'm going to make myself a note or I'm going to, you know, whatever. That is not what God says to us. He says, you need to be surrendered to me. And as I work in you, and let me tell you kind of how that happens. It really, a lot of times, begins to happen like this. You say what you've been saying, and then more and more, God says, Robbie, you know that wasn't right. Right? And the more I say, you know what, Lord, you're right. I get that right with him, the more it begins backing up. And you'll learn that God's going to train you. God's going to help you. So don't leave here trying to say, I've got to. What you want to say is, God, will you help me? Because I can't do this. If you can let God get control of your mouth so that you can have a positive impact and you can quit having a negative impact as much, you are moving a whole lot closer to being the person that God created you to be. That should be exciting to you. That should be exciting. If you would say, I want to fulfill God's will for my life. I want to live God's way. I just don't know where to start. Amen? Nowhere would be a great place. Ask God to get a hold of this. I'm not saying it's going to cure everything, but according to the Bible, how you use your mouth affects how well you're able, with God's help, to control the rest of your life. Now again, remember, this is not saying that we're going to be sinless. But it is saying if we allow God to do that, we will sin less. Okay? So we're not sinless, 
but we can sin less. So it kind of begs the question, does God have control of my mouth? Would you ask yourself that question right now? Does God have control of my mouth, of what I'm saying, of what I'm communicating with other people? We start out the message talking about a man who has been very successful, Ryan Lochte. But in many ways, his world has been turned upside down. Don't you imagine? He's thinking, I wish I hadn't said that. Amen? I wish I had not said that to my mom. His world has been changed, at least for the time being. You know what the thing is about sin? Sin takes us farther than we wanted to go. It costs us more than we wanted to pay. And it keeps us longer than we intended to stay. Can you imagine Ryan Lochte? I was just talking to my mom. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I just, you know, I didn't feel like messing with it. I just said what I said. I had no idea. Right? And isn't that true for us? I had no idea that what I said to that person or what I said about that person was going to cause so much damage. Would you recognize that right now and say, God, please forgive me. God, I recognize how weak I am. Do you recognize that? God, I, can, I, I cannot control myself. I'm not saying that as an excuse. I'm just saying that as an honest acknowledgement, right? I do not have the power to use this in a God-honoring way. And I recognize that, God. Would you confess Right now, if you know of an instance of you using it in a way that did not honor Him, would you be willing to make that right? Would you be willing to go to someone? Lord willing, and He would work out the situation where it would be appropriate for you to go to somebody and say, I want to ask your forgiveness for what I said because I was wrong. Would you be willing? Because the Bible says we show our heart by our actions. Would you be willing to act if God is speaking to your heart right now. You know, really, our mouth, we're going to learn as we walk through this together, is really, really an indicator of our heart. It's really an indicator of bigger issues. And we're going to dig into that, but maybe right now, God is speaking to you. You know what? I'm saying some pretty foul things. I'm being pretty hurtful to some people. Or I'm being pretty careless God, what is going on in here that's causing that to happen? Would you allow God to search your heart right now? I want to ask you to bow your head for just a moment. Are you serious about God getting control of your mouth? If you are, then talk to Him about it. Use your mouth. Use your words for something very positive. Use them to call upon the Lord. God, I don't want to...
present the members of my body as instruments of right unrighteousness. But I want to present them as instruments of righteousness. I want to present them to you, God, as someone who's alive from the dead. My life has been changed. I want my words to reflect that. Maybe God brought you here to bring up something else in your life. What's going on in your heart? Would you talk with them about that right now? I shared a moment ago that one day we're all going to have to give an account for our lives. As Christians, we'll be rewarded according to how we use what God gave us. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're going to have to account for your own sins. And the Bible says you can't do that. The Bible says you can do something very powerful with your words. You can call upon the name of the Lord. and You can be saved. You can be rescued from judgment. By saying some words to God that reflect the desire of your heart. God, you could say something like this. God, forgive me. I believe what you did on the cross was for me. I thank you that you rose again, Jesus. And I ask you to come into my life and give me eternal life. I want to accept you as my Savior. Follow you the rest of my life. God, thank you for teaching us what a dangerous tool. What a tool for impact that could change our lives and the lives of others if it's put in your hands. Help us, Lord. We need your help because we cannot tame this animal. This is our earnest prayer that we express through our words. In Jesus' name, amen.